Beards for Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Beards for Radios, everybody. I'm Joe. And I'm Sash. And, um, you know, it's been a while, but the message kind of remains the same on um, our basketball team. So I don't know if you want to go first, you want me to go first, but... Yeah. Um, you no, know. you can start, start start it off, Joe. Start it off. I can't say enough how much I've been impressed with Michigan State basketball right now. Um, you know, what impresses me a lot is, like, they've played the last uh, six or seven games without Josh Langford. And even before that, like, they had Matt McQuaid missing for a few games. So they haven't been at full strength <laughs> in a long while. And I keep thinking, like, it's going to catch up with them, you know, not having – Langford, who I think is their second best player um, on some nights is their best player, you know, in terms of shooting, scoring, defense. Um, but yeah, they pulled out a lot of impressive wins, um, beating Maryland by 14 points. And then on Thursday night, beat Iowa by 15 points in a game that was really back and forth. And it looked like Iowa controlled the first uh, 24 minutes or so. Um, but I just can't say enough about Cassius Winston. He's playing at a a Big Ten player of the year level right now. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, you know my thoughts on Cassius, and um, I just kind of got to pump the brakes a little because, you know, even though his unorthodox, you know, look of his play, I mean, it's working, you know. And um, if you look at some Big Ten analysts are putting uh, Michigan State, even though they have two losses, as number one in the conference, you know. And I think that's – that's you know big ups to Izzo because you know I was uh, watching an uh, Izzo interview and he was saying that you know you know I was saying that Izzo's in that kind of Bobby Knight esque you know type era old school coach you know and then this interview right. I watched with him he was talking about you know I kind of got to change the way I coach with these kids nowadays you know so he's basically saying that he has to like take a knee look these kids in the face. And, and you know, basically ask them for permission to dig into their asses. So I think I think that um, Izzo's changing with the times. And I think it's showing, uh, you know, in the play of his teams. You know, like you said, Lakeford's been out, McQuaid's been out, but he's been going to 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 his bench, and his bench's been showing up. I really like that Henry kid. I really do like that Henry kid. I think he has a a, a lot of potential, high ceiling on that kid. Um, Ward's doing his thing. I, like I said, he looks. But in way better conditioning, way better shape than he did last year, and it's showing because he's outweighing the big man up and down. Yeah, Nick Ward's free throw shooting too. When he was a freshman, you were lucky to make – you were lucky if he made one out of four free throws, you know. And he just hit seven out of seven against Iowa earlier in the year at Ohio State, which was like a homecoming for him. I believe he was 12 for 13 from the line. And – You know, even when he has an off night, you know, he was in foul trouble against Maryland, had zero points. You know, Michigan State still controlled that game. Like, it was tied at 20, and then Michigan State scored – went went on like a 28-10 to run or something of that nature. Um, They got a tough one against Purdue tomorrow. Um, But, you know, I've thought that about the last four games, and they've just impressed me with every outing. And I love the way Izzo talks about the team, too. You know, he's not – he's he's not, like, super harsh on them. Well, he is. But he's not, like – you know, he's hesitant to give them a lot of praise, which I think is good 
because a lot of people didn't expect them to be performing like they are right now. So a lot of people are heaping a lot of praise on them. And I think he's doing a good job of keeping everybody grounded because while he does have the experience at the top with, you know, Winston and Goins and McQuaid, you know, Ward and Langford, he's also got a lot of young players that are big time contributors right now, like Xavier Tillman and Aaron Henry and Gabe Brown. Too. Gabe Brown has been playing well. Yeah. And like, I, I think, I think you can attribute the way he talks about these, his team is the way he's also going kind of going through, He's going through, like, a big change as well, man. I mean, like, to me, like, I can feel it. Like, it it, re- it, it resonates through the whole country. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't want to call it the snowflake era kids. But, yeah, kids uh, don't take to, you know, getting yelling at each other's faces. So, like, I think he's going through a transition himself, which is, you know, obviously it's reflected on the way they're playing. It's reflected on their relationships. Because I think as a coach, you know, with young men, especially college, you know, you know, in this college sector, you got to be on a deep level with them. You know what I'm saying? So I think, I think our, our basketball coaches is on beeline are on that deep level with these kids where these kids will say, Hey, you know, I, I, I trust this guy. I trust this guy with my life. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's, that's where, you know, our basketball programs prosper. You know, it's in and, and, and the crappy thing is like, we have two, we literally, in my opinion, we have two, two top five, programs in the country and nobody's nobody's making a big deal about it it's just like to me it's such a big deal yeah. it's like i can watch michigan state games watch state beat the crap out of teams i last night i watched michigan going to indiana go 17 and go up 17 to nothing in the first you know what i'm saying it's just like i don't understand how people cannot get behind college basketball in the state of michigan right now it is bothering and um to your point about, you know, the way our, the coaches are building relationships on, you know, how the players on both teams trust their coaches. I think a prime example is Nick Ward with Tom Izzo, you know. Uh, Nick Ward's first two years were a bit bumpy. You know, the talent was there. The hard work was there. Um, but, you know, their relationship definitely had its ups and downs. And then, you know, Nick Ward um, declared for the NBA and got feedback. And he got the same feedback from the people – who do the NBA scouting that he got from Tom Izzo. So I think now he's kind of like learning to trust Izzo a lot more. And I think it's paying off in a big way. Yeah. And I think, I think Izzo told him to hit the treadmill a few more times a week. You know what I'm saying? Because he, he, he looks, he looks slimmer. He looks more energized. He looks, you know, more conditioned than he did last year. That was my biggest gripe with him last year, Joe, is that he wasn't, he was a big man that wasn't conditioned enough. And like he, he still, in my opinion, he still needs to work on his outside game right. because you know that's what's expected out of big men nowadays. Right. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but you can like you, you fifteen. He's been like stepping it out, so he's not so predictable. You know, back and down, do the double move, and then hook. Like a, a few times, I've seen him step it out. You know, from the corner, or from the top of the key. Um, so he has stepped that up too. And we saw him hit that three, right? Nebraska too. That was nice. Right, and you and you probably you probably you probably got it spot on with you know the same you know feedback he's getting from NBA scouts, he's getting it from uh, uh, Izzo, and he's probably this is probably stuff that he's holding on and work, working on, and you know that's, I mean, you know you you can do 
obviously basketball in other sectors, you know what I'm saying? Even if it's jump, even if he doesn't develop a three, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, look, look what other Michigan State players are doing. Look what Miles is doing uh, in uh, Memphis. He had a, a assignment, assignment, a top 10 with a putback dunk last night. Uh, Jared Jackson is leading, is, is leading rookies in uh, blocks with about 75 this year. So it's like, Izzo, Izzo knows what he's doing because, you know, State players do get into the NBA and they do do good. You know, Randolph to Green, you know, the, the list will, goes on and it'll continue to go on. So I think you're right. He he needs to put a little more trust in Izzo. I, I don't think this is Izzo's first rodeo. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think, you know, I think I, I – right, right. And I think, I think it's almost like a shame that he had to go and get that kind of smack in the face – to realize that you're, you're you're dealing with a pro here, you know, listen to him. Right. For sure. Um, but yeah, the way they're playing right now kind of reminds me of like, you know, how they lost Bridges and Jackson, and everybody thinks without the star players they're going to be a lot worse. It reminds me of um, from 2014 to 2015. You know, they lose Adrian Payne and Gary Harris and Keith Appling, but the guys who stepped up like Denzel Valentine and Brandon Dawson, Travis Trice. And then Bryn Forbes, you know, the next year took them to a Final Four. Um, you know, he's been to a Final Four without his best player, Kalen Lucas, who's now with the Pistons. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping they can keep it up. You know, I'm, it's almost like I don't want them to lose, but I'm like, it's, it, it makes me nervous, like, how well they're playing right now in a weird kind of way. But, you know, that's just – Oh, Yeah. Yeah, but most definitely, dude. Like that's how I was feeling when, like, when they lost to Wisconsin, when Michigan lost to Wisconsin, and people were like, "Oh yeah, so what's up, bro?" You like, you know, I'm like, you know what, man? I'm kind of glad they lost because that's, you know, that's a big monkey on your shoulders to be, you know, on your on your back to be carrying, you know, with that in the back of your head that you know we're undefeated, and any given any given day someone's looking to knock you off. You're the, you, you, at that time, them and I believe it was West Virginia were the only undefeated teams in the nation. You, you, the, you're going to want to be that team to knock those guys off and give them that one loss. You're gonna be the, right. You want to be that guy. It fuels teams sometimes to put a blemish on an uh, excellent season like that. You know what I'm saying? This, uh, starting off. So I was kind of – myself, I was kind of glad that they lost. I was um, – I think it might have been needed. At the end of that game, I was watching. Um, it kind of got it kind of got out of hand at the, the last end of the game because Beeline got technical and they got to the free throw and they played the whole right. free throw game bullcrap. But I was glad that Beeline got up and got angry. You know what I'm saying? Because you know the next game they came back and they won by two um, on a on a buzzer beater by uh, Charles Matthews. And then we I, we saw what they did last night against Indiana. Right. So I think that I think that loss. It, it, it in in an odd way it was it was needed and in an odd way it was it was a perfect uh I don't know stage to for Beeline to show his anger even though he has that ticker I'm like calm down buddy you know calm down you know but even though even though he you know went off like that it's showing his team that you know you have to show a little bit of passion and you know I will sacrifice this game to show that to my guys so I you know I like the way they're going too and I, like I said I like the way Brozdikas is playing even though sometimes he I, I feel like he forces a lot it's just like let it come to you you have a talent 
let it come to you. He forces a lot. I, I believe Charles, I believe Xavier Simpson's that X factor in it. I love his little running jump hook. And uh, when he, when he facilitates, they get so much better. And when Charles Matthews has his inside outside game going, you know, it's very scary to, uh, to watch them. And then Jordan Poole, you know, that dude's everywhere, you know, right. so. I didn't get to watch the Wisconsin game. I was uh, about to go under the knife uh, while it was going on. But, um, <laughs> you know, with regards to that game, I don't think Ignis Brasdikas is ever going to go scoreless in a game again. And, you know, we've seen the last – his response since, you know, he scored 20 against Indiana and I think uh, a double-double against Minnesota. Um, but who I've really been impressed with and who's come out of the blue – so to speak, is John Teske. You know, like, stepped into the Mo Wagner or DJ Wilson role, um, kind of. You know, even he's taller than them, though. Like, he's bigger than those two. He's like a true five, but he is stepping out. He's doing the pick and pop, and he's, he's making his shots. So I think that's probably biggest – or Beeline's biggest compliment right now is the way that John Teske is playing. Because a lot of people knew about Jordan Poole, you know, the three-pointer – buzzer beater against Memphis. A lot of people knew about Matthews, the uh, transfer from Kentucky and Brasdikas, you know, the cocky freshman coming in. Not a lot of people, even around the Big Ten, knew about Teske. So I think a lot of people watching now are going like, who? Who's this other guy that we have to worry about when we're facing Michigan right now? Right. And, uh, no, you're right, man. I can't believe you left him out. Teske's, you know, and – Beeline's forcing him to shoot those. If you're open, man, you got to shoot, pull it, bro. And he doesn't have a bad shot by any means. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, but the bad thing is, is when Teske's out, the next guy to step in is Livers. You know what I'm saying? And and, and Livers being a, he's, he's a undersized, yeah, smaller. It's like they don't have they don't have a good compliment to Teske on the bench. That's my only gripe. You know what I'm saying? When Teske's out, it's like they have to kind of play a sm- a small ball. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it, 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 might, it might work. That's, that's if their shots are dropping. But if they're not, then, then it's like, you know, that's that's when it gets scary for me. But, you know, yeah, Teske's been, you know, I from seeing him from the, from the beginning of the season to pulling up threes and being confident in doing it, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a tribute to good coaching. You know what I'm saying? That's a tribute to trusting somebody who trusts in you, you know, to step out of your norm, step out of your comfort zone. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and he trusted Teske enough for him to do that. And that's what coaching is. And that's what, you know, Beeline and Izzo are doing. I can't stress it enough. With with with, with the deplorable state of Michigan sports right now, the, the basketball gems we have in, in Lansing and in Ann Arbor, dude, people should, like, gravitate gravitate to it like like those uh fly zappers you know on your porch at uh in summertime you know what i'm saying the blue light and you just yeah you you'd think so you're right you'd think so and you touched on you know Izzo having a lot of nba products well look at beeline i believe since uh 2012 or 2013 the school with the most first round picks in the nba draft is michigan uh believe it or not and you know you see players like um uh, duncan robinson that's the name duncan robinson is on a two-way you know, Karis LeVert, before he got hurt, was a starter and a big-time contributor. Um, obviously, Tim Hardaway is a max contract player right now. You know, so, like, they both have their share of, you know, NBA talent spread throughout the country. It's it's something. Right, it's something. Yeah, but, you know, I'm, I really love – you know, me and you, 
we're, we're March Madness fiends. When March Madness comes, we're going to be all over it. You know, that's my that's my Slingbox prescription um, subscription oh, yeah. starts up again. But but like like this is like if you are a college basketball fan, dude. Regardless, in living in the state of Michigan, you have to be excited, dude. And if you don't, you have no pulse, man. Don't tell me you're you're a sports fan because the Lions, uh, 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 Tigers, uh, uh, Red Wings, you know, it goes on. You know, uh, 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 Spartans football, Michigan football. Like I'll say, they're the same damn program. I don't, I don't give a crap what the uh, the records were this year. Michigan State and Michigan basketball right now are such bright spots, dude. And I can talk about it all. I can talk about them all day, dude, because – it's just so awesome to watch these teams. I'm telling you, man, Michigan State and Michigan in the Final Four. I'm telling you, both those teams are going to make it to the Final Four, man. I'm telling you right now, dude. And okay. I'm and I'm I, and and that's how that's how I'm going to do my bracket. All right. I'm going to push Michigan and Michigan State to to the point they cannot go on, uh, go on anymore in that bracket, man. And I'm you know I I believe those two. I, I believe basketball in the Midwest right now is stronger than anywhere in the nation. Damn. Big Ten is the strongest conference right now, dude. They have the most teams in the top twenty, top twenty-five in the Big Ten. We're right. it, Midwest right now. It's basketball, dude. Indiana, Michigan, Ohio. You know, the, those those to me are the basketball. You know, states. Kansas. You're talking about the Midwest. These are basketball states, dude. You know what I'm saying? You know, Kentucky. You know, keep keep going, dude. Right. You know what I'm saying? Besides those blue schools, I believe that. Right now, Midwest has the strongest basketball players Damn. in the nation outside of college and in high school. So you know we're, we're going to see it for we're going to see it for years to come. That's just my opinion. That's such a big baller pick to like you know already pick half the Final Four and January is not even over yet. <laughs> don't, don't care. I don't want to get into, do not care. Yeah, I don't want to get into like comparing the two teams yet. You know, like oh, who's better right now? Because they don't play until the end of February, which I I'm a fan of because then. Hopefully they'll both be all healthy and they'll both be playing at their best and there'll be no excuses for either team. Um, but a question I have is the state of the Pistons and the state of these two basketball teams, if we like combine the two college basketball teams and they played the Pistons, say they both had like two weeks to prepare for each other, who wins? Oh, the Pistons win. It's different. Those guys are all those guys are all pros and like Man, like are they, are they all pros though. You got yeah, I mean, like, like with the worst timed interview bomb of history. Like, it's it's fine for the you know the the Heat with the you know D Wade and Chris Bosh to be doing that when they're winning championships and getting into the finals. But you know, the Pistons after a loss of Blake Griffin's talking about how disappointed he is, and you know they're just covering up a lot of ugliness. And then Reggie Jackson sneaks in, and you can just see like the disappointment and disbelief on Blake's face. <laughs> Right, and you know, I'm I'm glad you brought that up, dude. I'm glad you brought that up because it it was embarrassing, dude. And you know what? It it, it might have been the worst time, but for Pistons fans, uh, I think it was perfect timing. You know what I'm saying? Blake's talking about how uh, his guys are unfocused, and here comes Reggie Jackson like a moron. And I hope Tom Gorse is watching, and I hope he sees it, and I hope we start moving people because the only one worth keeping right now is Blake Griffin. True, true. I don't know, man. I think if you stack up, you know, Xavier Simpson and Cassius Winston and Jordan Poole and Josh Langford and Iggy and Nick Ward and Kenny Goins and, you know, um, 
Charles Matthews and Matt McQuaid, and you know Izzo and Beeline both going at it. You, know, I, you, you think I, I bet you they'd give them a run? They'd give them a run, man. You know the Pistons are a bunch of G leaguers, so they probably give them a run. Right. That was that was my you know I thought of that one the other night, and I was like, I don't know. I think maybe the two college teams would do it because these two teams are actually playing for something consistently. They're two programs that are used to the spotlight uh, in recent memory, you know. And they both play with right. passion, which I don't see from the Pistons. Yeah, that's true. When, but they they replaced that passion with a paycheck, and it shows. That's true. That's a good point. I want to move on to talk about a little bit about Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah, man, take it away. What I want to know, is this take place like months or before – you know, Infinity Ward or or after? Is this going to be after? Is this going to be, like, after, you know, everything gets all good and, like, Thanos unsnaps everything or they unsnap Thanos' snap? Right. Is, this- is, is this is this happened then? I don't know. I haven't, like, looked into it that much. But what, I, what I've seen from the – go on. Oh, yeah, I was just adding on, like, is this post-Endgame? You know, I thought Spider-Man right. would be dead. <laughs> Right, you know, he faded away into dust like everybody else. So, like, I don't know. But what was cool about it is to see that Jake Gyllenhaal is playing Mysterio, you know, and they have, like, all these other elementals in it, like, you know, like, you know, the Aqua Dude, they have Sandman, you know, Molten Man, are they going to stay around? You know, a lot of people are are speculating that it's going to lead into uh, the Sinister Six, you know, with with Michael Keaton come back as Vulture, and you know the dude playing Scorpion, are they gonna come back? And right. you know, is that gonna be the the Spider Man three flick? You know, uh, Sinister Six. Yes, they got a Sinister Six. I don't know, but what I do know about this is that it's it's good to see Nick Fury back. It's good to see Peter Parker back. Um, uh, I I just don't know where it's gonna go from. You know, I don't know if it's leading out of or before, like you said, pre or post. I don't know. So I'm excited to see it, but, you know, only time will tell. Right. We'll see. Um, Obviously, I think Endgame might give a lot of that away for us. Um, You know, if everybody comes back, Spider-Man included. Um, Yeah, it's it's another movie in in Marvel that's coming out this year with, you know, Captain Marvel, Endgame, and then Spider-Man. yeah, the trailer itself, it looks pretty uh, per the course of, you know, uh, I, what is this, stage three of Marvel, you know, how it's kind of more on the comedy side, you know, lighthearted, uh, family-friendly type, you know. Uh, I thought it was funny. Yes. Like, uh, I forget the kid's name. Was it Flash Flash Thompson or Flash Gordon? Um, no, you're right, Flash Thompson. Flash Thompson, yeah. You know, he's like, I respect Spider-Man. You know, he, st- he sticks up for the people. And he's like, what's up, dickwad, to Peter Parker? Right. And, you know, I, I like Flash Thompson. I just don't like that kid playing him because Flash Thompson ends up becoming anti-Venom. You know what I'm saying? A, a super badass. And you're like, you're like, this kid is not. You know, so that's the only thing that really bugs me about that. But who knows? Right. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, dude, I like, I, 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 I like that it's – like the first first half of the trailer it was like lighthearted like oh kids go to spring break in europe and then like his boy gets a dart in the neck and then it's you know nick fury's voice you know 
and then it it, it kind of takes a you like right kind of takes like dark twist. So like, is this like a? It, it's almost like a like a coming of age for him. I know it's just a weird thing. It, it being his like third movie with him or fourth movie with him being Spider Man in it. Uh, it's almost like now it's like now what are you made of, bro? You went through all this stuff. You went through you know the first Spider Man movie. You went through you know. It, Infinity uh, or Civil War, and you went to the Infinity War movie. You know what I'm saying? It's just like now that you've been fighting alongside people, now you're by yourself, bro. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's all you. You know what I'm saying? And I think, um, uh, God, I can't think of the the director's name. Happy. What's Happy's name in uh, uh, oh, um, in real life? Uh, John Favreau. It's John Favreau. Thank you, John Favreau. But um, he was even like he was telling him, he's like, "What are you gonna do? You're by yourself now. You know, no, this right. is like, I didn't. See, no, I didn't no one's here to help you. You know, yeah. So it's it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a real big test for uh, Spider-Man, Peter, in this one. I think you're gonna see a lot of growth from his character in the MCU world, uh, and hopefully, you know, we see more and more of, you know. Mr. Holland, Spider-Man, because I like this guy. I like this right. guy. I think he, I think he fits the perfect. He's the perfect mold for Peter Parker. I think uh, Garfield was just too cool of a Spider-Man. I just think it didn't really work. And I, I like the uh, the the setting. You know, the concept of taking it overseas. Because I'm kind of tired of like you know every superhero movie being New York based. Or, you know, the Ninja Turtles are in New York. Iron Man's in New York. Uh, the the first Avengers was New York. Um, you know, Batman's New York. Gotham City is basically New York. It's, you know, it's just so repetitive and on and on and on. Like, I'm glad, you know, Venom took place in uh, Los Angeles or San Francisco. Yeah, San Fran. And you know, yes. the Spider-Man movie is taking place in uh, London. So I like that. I like the change. Yes. You know, mix it up a bit. No, absolutely, man. And like, yeah. And, you know, what I, what I really like about it is that you know, is that like I said, he's by himself, dude, and right. and we're sure we're really going to see like the prototypical, you know, Spider-Man that we kind of saw in the Tobey Maguire films, which I wasn't really a big fan of, but still watched them because of Spider-Man. But yeah, he's going to be by himself. I want to see what he does, you know, solo. So I'm excited exciting to see. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of another superhero movie. Outside the realm of Marvel, outside the realm of DC, yep, we're talking about Glass. We're talking about M. Night Shyamalan's superhero. I don't know. Is this is this is this his like, superhero? Like his his opus, almost. You know, it's it's a two movies of his coming together. Um, you know, we had the surprise at the end of Split. Uh, with the music playing, and they're like, oh, this reminds me of, uh, who was that guy, you know, who killed all those people? Bruce Willis is like, Mr. Glass. And it's like, dun-dun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but super excited. You know, I just rewatched Unbreakable. Need to rewatch uh, Split again. And then, yeah, maybe sometime this week I'll go see it. I've been taking some time off work, um, you know, for reasons. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought James McAvoy gave a, an outstanding performance as um, all the different people in Split. I, for, I was forgetting his character's name. Then I was like, oh, he played like 20 Monster? Characters. Right. Right. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's it's the you know the coming together of the the bad guy, uh, you know the monster James McAvoy who has the physical abilities who can do anything, and then the physically incapable but the mastermind you know uh, Elijah Samuel L. Jackson, Mister Glass. Yeah, it's almost like the like he is the, he is the brain, McAvoy is the brawn, but then you know Bruce Willis comes in there. Bruce Willis is like is super strong himself can't really feel pain so much um is like like invulnerable you saw the dude survived all those train crashes and uh you know get sucked into a pool um but yeah man this is this i think is gonna still carry over now you have a theory about paul giamatti that you want to throw in I, I, you know, and I, I, I read, I read what you wrote to me and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to really think too much into it. I really want you to explain what you think might happen. What is your theory of what might happen at the M night at the end of uh, glass for the M night Shyamalan twist? Yeah. So it's a simple concept, you know, at the end of split, we unexpectedly got um, the introduction of, the character of Bruce Willis and we realize that this is taking place in the same universe as Unbreakable. So it stands to reason that it could be part of the universe of more of M. Night Shyamalan's movies. And I eliminated The Sixth Sense because Bruce Willis is in that one too. And you know, Haley Haley Joel Osment is all grown up now. He doesn't look anything like his kid self. So I eliminated that possibility. But it stands to reason that we could see the introduction of another character from one of M. Night Shyamalan's past movies. And to me, it boiled down to two possible characters. You know, uh, I thought Paul Giamatti at, um, from Lady in the Water, his character was, um, you know, like a caretaker for the whole apartment place. And he kind of brought everybody together, you know, surprise ending. He wasn't like the guardian who fought the, uh, the rogue scrunt at the end. It was the, you know, the guy who worked out half his body. Um, but I'm, I was thinking I, maybe we could see him introduced or uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character from either Lady in the Water, even though, you know, she's back in the water world or whatever, uh, or her character from the village, you know, the blind lady um, who travels through the forbidden woods, you know, and finds, you know, that we're in current day in the village. We're not like in the past times like they make you believe the whole time, you know. Right, you know, right. She medicine, she heals Walking Phoenix and everything. So, or maybe even Mark Wahlberg's character from The Happening, but I think maybe M. Night wants to forget that one. So yeah, that's that's just basically uh, my theory. I think we're going to see another character from a past M. Night Shyamalan movie uh, come in at the end of Glass. You know, I think you're right, but my theory isn't about a character. My theory is about a movie and the movie, the last movie that you just mentioned, The Happening. How can M. Night Shyamalan reprise The Happening? Well, make The Happening just uh, a villainous villain that did it, right? <laughs> Someone was behind The Happening. Someone was behind uh, the trees killing everybody. So maybe they introduce another villain. Maybe they introduce a different, maybe this is just pretty much the birth of his superhero lineup right we're just gonna see we're just gonna kind of see this you know world of you know 
different superheroes that were not kind of you know we're used to seeing the the capes and you know the laser beams out of the eyes but really what if he's making these a superhero lineup that's more close to human beings right. you know what i'm saying where it's just like a super strength or it's a this or it's a that it's not like you know they're not projecting it's not like you're superman where he has like all these abilities what if it's just like you know like normal everyday kind of like more relatable human more human being than superhero but just like kind of i don't know everyday person but just like like maybe like one out of ten is like an alpha you know what i'm saying or one out of ten get like an extra and that one out of ten was james mcavoy or that one out of 20 was bruce willis or one out of 30 was glass where he's super duper smart but his body is just you know withering right. away this might be a start of something and maybe the happening is not the trees maybe it's actually man done and it's just like a a, a a, a villain that just wants to kill the world and maybe Mark Wahlberg's uh, hmm. you know uh, character might come back into the fold who knows but right. or like, um, yeah, that was my theory I was, I, was, yeah, I was thinking like how can you reprise the happening because I know a lot of people say it's the worst one well m- make it make it like a terrorist act you know what I'm saying and bring that into the fold but I don't know right right and you know re-watching Unbreakable I th- there's just like so many good points that uh, just about the movie as a whole that when you, I watched it for the first time in probably like five or six years, it just brings up so much like uh, Elijah's reasoning, you know, Mr. Glass, his reasoning makes so much sense to me. You know, if there's someone on my end of the spectrum who breaks so easily like glass, there's gotta be someone on the other end of the spectrum who doesn't even get sick, who can't feel pain, you know? And in a way, like, M. Night Shyamalan movies aren't really like, you know, the horror, like haunt you type of movies. They're just kind of like jump, you know, scare, you know, like a fun scare, you know, like aliens, ghosts, uh, monsters, what have you. Um, Right. Unbreakable Unbreakable is scary because it shows, you know, the scene where he's walking around for the first time, noting, knowing that if he just makes contact with someone, he sees their past and he's bumping with like everybody around him and he sees all this terrible shit that they've done. So that's why Unbreakable is scarier than any of those other ones because the threat to you is just the random people around you, you know? Right. And like in and, and like everyday people can be villains or everyday people can be heroes. And I think I, I really do think that's like what he's he might be going for because you know I would like this you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a different different superhero type lineup. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't mind seeing something new. Right. You know, and M. Night Shyamalan's world's crazy and twisted enough where, you know, you know, Walking Phoenix might come and start swinging bats at people at the end of this movie. We don't know. <laughs> you know? So it's a very real possibility. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, you know, you know Mel Gibson comes with like a, a army of aliens, and better yet, uh, better yet, we see Big Dick Nick come in at the end and be the hero. Nick Foles. <laughs> Nick Foles. <laughs> it takes place in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense, man. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, but yeah, I, I, I def- definitely want to go see that coming up soon because I want to we definitely want to chat about it and you 
you know, there's going to be an ending. We're going to want to talk about that. So I'm definitely seeing that soon. Another thing that caught my eye, this is just a fun little side thing that I talked to you about. Um, in the second to last scene of uh, Unbreakable, when he's having the, uh, the big comic book expo at limited edition, his store, um, while Elijah's mom and uh, Bruce Willis's character, I forget his name, while they're talking, in the background we see Samuel L. Jackson in his wheelchair, and he's got some people with him, and he's showing off three framed comic book cover photos. And the three comic books that he's showing off are Captain America, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Thor. And I thought that was just the – it was either, like, the biggest coincidence or it was something more by some sort of chance that the guy who played Nick Fury – was introducing people to Captain America, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Thor. Like, that just blew my mind, honestly. How about I take it another step further and bring in Pulp Fiction into the fold? Have you heard this theory? Have you ever heard this theory about Pulp Fiction? About Pulp Fiction and Unbreakable? No, about Pulp Fiction and Marvel. I have not. Pulp Fiction and... All right, now, look to, read this up because it's... It's so awesome, and I think that uh, Marvel put a Easter egg in one of the Marvel movies, paying kind of homage to it. Now, people believe that have you you've seen Pulp Fiction, correct? Right. Yeah. You you know how how he's Jules in it, and uh, Jules kind of you know he has that, has that one quote, "The path of the righteous man," blah 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 blah, whatever. And then he, you know, at the end of the movie, he looks inside a briefcase and he gets a beam of light shined at him. People believe are, are, are saying that's like something to do with with Marvel. And he faked his death and became uh, a righteous man and became Nick Fury, Nick Fury. Now, I know it's like a long shot, but the, the, what started it was is that Nick Fury's tombstone in one of the Marvel movies, when they believe he's dead, actually says... The, the quote Jules quotes in Pulp Fiction. So a lot of people are saying, well, he faked his death, you know, and, and ended up becoming Nick Fury. So Pulp Fiction is in the uh, Marvel Universe. I don't know. Look it up. Look it up. It, it's, it's kind of intriguing because I think I think the Marvel people threw that uh, the Jules quote from Pulp Fiction onto his tombstone right. as a joke and people ever end up running with it. But it's a, it's a cool little like make you think type deal you know because samuel jackson's everywhere he's, you know, he's dealing with snakes on a plane he's dropping motherfuckers everywhere you know this guy's everywhere he's a man i think it's uh captain america winter soldier that he fakes his own death and i know that's directed by the russo brothers who you know did community and part of arrested development so i know they have like that kind of sense of humor so yeah, I'll, I'll look up that theory but that's very interesting <laughs> i had not heard that one before yeah, it's it's kind of cool. I, you, you know, you know it's bullcrap, but it's it's fun. It's really fun if you if you read into it, you're like, huh, right. huh. I like how they kind of twisted it up there. It's the same concept as like having theories on Star Wars movies. You know, like <laughs> why not take it and run with it? What else are you gonna do? What else are you doing? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Excited to see Glass. Um, that'll definitely be one we talk about on our next episode. Um, hopefully we get our next episode in before the Super Bowl. We can talk about that a little bit. Um, even though I'm not, I'm not super excited to watch this Super Bowl. Like, I'm just, I'm so tired of the Patriots, dude. I think, I think everybody is, and I think they're gonna win. <laughs> yeah. 
I think they're gonna win too. That's the I don't kind of the, whatever. Watch and see if they lose because I can't deal with the heartbreak of them winning again, man. I can't do it. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people are in your um. I think a lot of people are in your mindset. I'm kind of in that mindset too. Um, but you know, I like Tom Brady. It's Michigan, man. I can't say nothing about that. But I, but I'm not the one that's gonna go root for the Patriots just because of Tom Brady right. being in Michigan and like. Oh, kind of like making that like a sub, a sub Michigan Super Bowl victory because you know, no, no, I'm not doing that. You I'm not doing that crap. What everyone else does. We both know that person that does. So, we'll... yes, yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, I just want to give a shout out to our listeners. Um, I showed you this the other night, but we're almost to 300 listens on uh Anchor app right now uh, since we joined. Um. I just think that's awesome, you know. Thanks everybody who listens, likes, and shares everything. Um, it means a lot to us. Oh, absolutely means a lot to us, man. And you know, we do it for the love of the game, baby. This is, you know, we we like to chit chat, talk about you know sports, talk about pop culture, you know, nerd stuff, jock stuff. You know, we love we love it all. So. Yeah. Yep. Thank you guys. Keep listening. And uh, we would have brought this episode sooner, but uh, we, you know, we were supposed to record a week ago but i had a surprise emergency i had to go into surgery last saturday and get my uh gallbladder taken out and um i couldn't talk for a while because you know they had to stick a tube down my throat while i was in surgery so um for a couple of days my voice was just totally gone so i needed it to recover before we could you know make this episode yeah absolutely and it's totally understandable man Health first. If you're not healthy, we can't do this podcast. So, right. <laughs> by the by, the fact that we needed you here, I thought this was one of those businesses we could go into and not have to worry about looks or health or anything like that. But no, <laughs> can't talk. Yeah. But. Absolutely. But yeah, Joe, I think we might have covered everything. Um, you know, go blue, go green. You know, I and I'm telling you, Final Four, baby, Final Four, bust with these guys. You know, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they go head to head. The way they're playing, I can't argue it at the moment. Like, I don't see a lot of teams playing Final Four worthy. Even Duke has had their struggles. Um, you know, Michigan State. Like, look at their only two losses. We're at Louisville in overtime. Louisville is killing it right now. Uh, Kansas, the first night of the season, and you know, before they lost Azubuki, I think Kansas was one of the one of, if not the best teams in the country. Um, and you know, yeah, so it's hard to pin out two teams who I think could make it, but if any two could, I believe Michigan, Michigan State right now. So I can't, I can't argue. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. And then we covered, we covered a little Spider-Man covered glass, little theories about that. And then hopefully, like you said, next uh, podcast, talk about the Super Bowl. That's coming next Sunday, so it's got to come quick. That's right. It's almost here, the end of football. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. Check us out on Facebook at Beards for Radio Podcast. Uh, I'm Joe. And I'm Sasha. Thanks for listening, everybody. Later. If you like this episode of the Beards for Radio Podcast, please give a visit to far-ebar.com. If you want to support local businesses, small businesses, uh, this is as small as it comes because it's just one guy. Again, that's F-A-R-E-B-A-R to check out some sweaters, hoodies, tie-dye t-shirts, regular t-shirts, bags, hats, 
any kind of fashion product accessory you can imagine. He's done it, and he's 100% original. Again, that's far-ebar.com.